ready? Yes. Maya? Okay. I'm here. In five. Okay. In five, four, three, two. Oh my God, you made it. It's another episode of We Did That Shit. I'm Maya. And I'm the B. Hey. My mic sounds nice. Check one. Check My mic one. sounds nice. Check two. Check two. <laughs> I'm so hyped. Drum roll. Yes, we got new mics. <laughs> new mics. We hope that you hear the improvement of the sound. Yes. Um, we did that shit. It's moving on up. We are trying to make it, you know, professional over here for you guys. Betterer and betterer. We're just trying to get better and better. Oh, my goodness. So, Maya, what are we getting into this week? A week of who did some shit. Because there's so many people doing shit. Okay, so we're going to start with, it's still April, and we have our Who Did Some Shit Autism Awareness Edition. And this week, we have another guest. Her name is Tara. Tara is the mother of a 17-year-old daughter who has autism spectrum disorder, and I had an opportunity to interview Tara, so here we go. Hi, Tara. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for being on this episode of We Did That Shit. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited. So, so am I. Tell, the pe- tell the people who you are. Um, my name is Tara Cook. I am the mother of a beautiful autistic girl. Um, I used to work for the state. I had to retire from my job early to take care of my daughter. Oh. Okay. And how old was your daughter when she was diagnosed with autism? She was 11 years old. I took her around to a, bit, a bunch of different psychologists, neuropsychology, and they all gave her the wrong diagnosis. And it wasn't until I switched her pediatric doctor and she gave me um, the right diagnosis. Wow, 11 years old? Yes. So that's why oh I, I, I left my, my job because I wanted to make sure that she had she got everything she needed because she got a late diagnosis. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine um, all that time not knowing, you know, yes. trying to do what's right and not knowing. Yes. Now, is your daughter vocal? Does she talk? She, How does she communicate she, with you? She is very vocal. She um, Now she has great uh, eye contact. Um, she's very articulate. She um, does. Yeah. She's repetitive and she re- she repeats things over and over again, but she she can verbalize very well. Now, does she have conversations, or does she just kind of answer one answer? Because my son, he will not have conversations, but sometimes if I ask him something, you know, he'll say yes, no, maybe, or, you know, give it like a one-liner, but he will not, you can't ask him more than like three, set, three things in a row. Well, like before that? before she was diagnosed, and she didn't get those social skills she needed. She was like that. She wouldn't even talk. Okay. But now she will engage in conversation. Oh, 
how old was she when she started talking? She was about three and a half. Okay, before she started talking? Yes. Okay. Um, and what activities does she enjoy? Television. <laughs> she <laughs> enjoys television and she writes. She writes these great stories. You know, they're really um, dramatic sometimes. Um, she uses a lot of imagination, but she will and she will write for hours. Wow! Like she writes her own storybook. She does. Yeah, she's been doing that since she was about five years old. How well, have you ever published any? She won't give me the books. <laughs> ah! Ah! I'm familiar with that. Yeah. She will not give me the books, okay. but she will tell me the stories that that are in the books, and they are awesome. And she wants to be um, a producer. Wow! 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 That is awesome. And how old is she now? She is eighteen now. Eighteen. Yeah. And what do you, what do you feel has made the biggest difference for her? I think she noticed that I fought for her because it's really hard to um, pull her out and, you know, she's always withdrawn and, you know, she, she, she's smart as a whip, mm-hmm. um, but she, she, she noticed, I told her, if I have to work hard, you have to work hard. And I think that drove her to work, work harder. Ah, I thought I like that, Tara, because a lot of times people, they focus on what our children can't do. And the fact of the matter is that there's so much that they can do if we just put it on them, you know, then they come around. Because when I stopped cooking for my son, you know, all of a sudden his chef skills just came out of nowhere. Yes, and that's where we are now. Right. Right. He just, he cook everything he eats, he cooks himself. He, you know, when I stopped doing his laundry, all of a sudden he knew how to use the laundry, the right. washing machine. You know, there's so I, much that they can do. We just have to put it on them. Yes. And I didn't want to, you know, enable her because mm-hmm. she, she picks up things very easily. When she first, she didn't learn her alphabets until the fifth grade. Um, and oh, I had to fight wow. to get her into a school that could teach her, but she she went into the school in October. She didn't know her alphabet, and she in 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 April she was reading. You know, wow. so she really picks things up really fast. So we're at that place where I understand the cooking. I'm like, I'm not cooking for you anymore because you can't cook. Right, right. And how are you doing? Right now, I am being challenged because. Because she is 18 now, um, and she stems her like her she she stems a lot and she does it okay. in public. So I'm and she's very she's not aggressive. She's very meek. It's easy to take advantage of her, you know. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm I'm kind of afraid. Like she wants to go and live in New York on her own, and because she's so high functioning, she can understand that this is something that you might not be able to do. So right now I'm just really at a place where I'm worried about what happens for adult um, children, I mean, adults with autism. Right, right. It is a hard transition. It's a very hard transition. And she wants to live in New York City and be a producer. Yes. 
And she won't publish her book. And she won't this publish is, her book. <laughs> and this is, uh, you know, this is just not, it's just kind of how they are. Like, I found out yeah. my son has a, a YouTube channel. He has over a 1,000 uh, subscribers to the YouTube channel. People have watched his videos over 300,000 times. And wow. I'll ask him something, and he'll look at me like I have seven necks. Like, you know, that doesn't concern you, lady. like you know that's my stuff but um wow Tara I just you really um threw me off because you know I we like for the podcast to be a raw so we don't like to rehearse a lot of things but I met you some time ago and I never knew that your daughter was diagnosed so late oh yes yes she was yeah. diagnosed really late. And, you know, um, I I worked so much that I knew that something was not typical about her, mm-hmm. but I I believe the diagnosis that she, she had before, which was um, intellectually disabled. Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't until I hurt myself at work that I realized this is not um, typical for an intellectually disabled child. This is something else, and that's when I got on the phone and I called her her pediatrician, and she immediately said, "I always thought she was autistic," and I went and I looked up, you know, autism, and she had almost all of the um, symptoms. So, wow. um, and that's when I had made a decision that you know I really need to focus on. I wanted to make sure that she received everything that she can to live right. at a, a high functioning level. And I couldn't have right, done that right. without support and, and working the hours. I had a demanding job. Okay. Okay. It's, and, and people don't realize uh, the sacrifice. You know, when you have children, first of all, you want your children to live their best life. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of parents, you know, working to, you know, sustain life, to pay bills, even if, it doesn't matter if they're working and they're super successful or they're working to struggle and pay bills, but work is a very, you know, it's a regular part of life for a lot of things. Um, I am fortunate in that I was a stay-at-home mom until my children went to school with four days. So they were, Jiggy was five when I started working, and it was still I started part-time so that I can be there before and after school. But this is a very real issue. And also yes, finding services for our children or adult children who are yeah. high functioning they still yeah. need support they do they do so, um, and they need more programs too they do not for them and also for parents yes because they kind of just know, dump you at 18 exactly. and you figure it out from there and exactly. So that it's, and, and that's and that's where I am now. So I don't want her to lose her social skills. It's hard to get her out of the house. You know, mm-hmm. she's very meek and timid and she doesn't like confrontation. So she she pretty much becomes anxious during, you know, when somebody's confrontational and she 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 has a difficult time with change. So that's my concern for her future. What like what can I do? you know, what's out there to help, you know. So I'm, that's where my struggle is right now. Now, we are over the time, but I just have – have you applied for guardianship? I, I did not know her? about it. Oh. Well, I haven't. 
however, it was something that they said um, and when my son was still in school, they said, you know, when he turns 18, if you're still going to handle their affairs, some agencies will say, well, do you have guardianship? Because then they'll take what they say, you know, in all things, Xavier can't speak for himself. Okay. You know, so you have to have guardianship in order to speak for them in all things. But I haven't, like, my son will be 24 in June. I haven't applied for guardianship yet because I haven't run come into anything that where I would definitely need it. But I'm doing some research because I heard that guardianship can also hinder as much okay. as it could uh, be helpful. So I was just wondering okay. if your, uh, her school brought that up to you. But guardianship may be something that uh, you'll need in the very near future. But I heard it takes a little time, too, like maybe 12 or 18 months to get it. Well, I will, I will definitely look into that. I think I appreciate mm-hmm. that information. Mm-hmm. But I thank you so much for coming on. Um, it, April is Autism Awareness Month, and, you know, I am very passionate about it. Um, it's a wonder-filled world. Exactly. I love, you know, my baby and the joy that he brings. And I'm just so glad that you can join us and give, uh, you know, your view and your experience of what happened. We appreciate you. Yes, we okay. do. Thank you so much for coming on Thank and sharing you. your Thank you for story me. with us and um, providing information with And it was very informative. I was just sitting here listening, um, letting you uh, tell uh, your story and uh, having Babi, um, you know, talk to you about this whole thing because it was just very informative, especially that your daughter was diagnosed so late. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that really threw me when you said it. I was like, oh, my goodness, um, you know, because I can imagine the struggles that I saw very early on. Yes. If, and you know, if, if – Yeah. And could right. you imagine going to multiple doctors, psychologists, and, you know, um, I went to the educational – I went to the educational side. I went um, through um, my pediatrician, her pe- pediatrician at the time. I went to multiple – um, doctors, I mean, like three each year, you know, and they all were like, no, she's fine. I think she's going through this or she, you know, she was bullied at school. So they blamed it on bullying and they, they just gave me a bunch of excuses. And, and it, you know, I finally, I, I got the right diagnosis, which made sense, you know, mm-hmm. once I, once I received it, but um, I just had to fight for you know, social skills, you know, so I went to, I took her to everything I could because I needed to catch her up because she, right. she had been deprived of the right diagnosis all that time. Right. Right. Wow. That just oh. goes to show what a mom will go through to get her baby what she needs. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, she's only 18, so that wasn't long ago that, that right. you and, were still being guided in the wrong direction. Right. So, yes. and that's and, why there's such a need for autism awareness because people still yes. don't know. Yes. 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 And that's I, why I'm so passionate about people being aware, so that so that they can help their children. Because I know for my daughter, she did. She wouldn't talk. She has two older siblings, and she wouldn't talk to them. And now she she jokes with us, and she engages in conversation. It's awesome. 
to see how far oh. she's grown. Wow. That's great. Okay, well, we're going to wrap it up. Tara, okay. thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. Yes, we thank really you. appreciate thank you. Um, okay. And kudos to you for getting them services <laughs> that that baby needs. <laughs> thank so, you. No problem. Okay. Okay. That was great. I just have to put it out there, though. Um, I was happy that Tara reached out to us and that she was willing to come on the podcast and share her experiences. But something she said really shocked me. Um, yes. I met I met Tara some years ago um, on a flight back home from Essex. And we talked about autism practically uh, the whole flight. Um, but I certainly did not know that her daughter was diagnosed so late. And that really right. floored me. Can you imagine all that time she'd been taking her to the doctor since she was 18 months? Mm-hmm. And she was misdiagnosed. You know, and get the services to help her. Right. And her daughter is only 18. So that happened only seven years ago. And, right. you know, to be honest, sometimes, you know, we talk about awareness of things that are important to us. But sometimes people really, like, beat you over the head with stuff. Like, you know, breast cancer awareness and this awareness and that awareness and this awareness and that awareness. And you mm-hmm. feel like you hear it so much that people are aware. You know, mm-hmm. but she was taking her baby to professionals and they right. weren't aware. Right. That is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Crazy to me. But, um, you know, I'm glad she's doing great now. She wants to go to college, live in mm-hmm. New York City. You know, she writes uh, stories. She's just doing it up now. Doing it up. Right. So <laughs> I always say it's about their ability. You know, no mm-hmm. diss. It's about their ability. So thank you, Tara, for that. Thanks, Tara, for joining us. All right. So, Who Tara, you have? <laughs> I mean, you know, listen, it's one big week of who did some shit. And and everybody that's been listening to the podcast, you know that I'm getting ready to go left. I mean, you know, thank you, Tara, so much for joining us. But now let's get into the shits. Yeah. All of the ratchetness that's going on in the world. Uh, where do we begin? Did you see this week's? episode of um real housewives of atlanta the reunion the second part i did i did i just wanted to talk about that real quick and not the whole reunion but just the one thing about candy and portia because we're back on candy and portia you know and they talked they touched on what happened last year and for those of you who don't know portia you know says some things about candy that she tried to drug her no phaedra excuse me said that told Portia that Candy tried to drug her and take her back to her house, give her like a molly or something. And right. her and Rob, I mean, her and Rob, who the hell is Rob? <laughs> her and Ty, I don't even know. Hey, Rob, you might be my future boyfriend. No, um, <laughs> her and uh, Todd was going to have a threesome with Portia. So now fast forward to this year, and they went throughout the whole season. They've been kind of talking, but not really. You know, Candy mm-hmm. is not forgiving. And on the one hand, you know, Candy gets on my damn nerves, but I understand that not forgiving part because I'm not forgiving right. in a lot of instances. But this is why I wanted to touch on this this week. 
backhanded apologies. You can't tell me to apologize to you, but then tell me how to apologize to you. Like if I say sorry, no matter how I say sorry, it's sorry. Right. Don't come to me and say, no, you should have said sorry like this. No, I should have said sorry like I wanted to. And this is the reason why I don't really say sorry to people like that. Because you're not going to dictate to me how to say sorry to you. I'm sorry. Candy. Not only that, not only that, mm-hmm. but if you don't accept the apology, don't accept the apology. Don't try to exactly. act like it's all right and it is not all right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. You have a choice in your life. Like, you're grown as hell. You have a choice not to be around a person. If you don't want to film with Portia, don't film with her. If you feel like, Portia, I can't forgive you, I can't move past it, it's okay. Like, you have every right to do that. But don't say to the girl, oh, okay, if you apologize like this, it'll be okay. Uh-huh. No, bitch, I apologize. Like, that's where I'm at with it. And so for all those people out there that's like, no, Portia should take accountability for what she did, she did when she, she did. said sorry. Right. Right. Now, should she have said, damn, I, you know, like, maybe no she shouldn't have she should have said sorry and that's it if she doesn't say what she's specifically sorry for then obviously she don't think she's sorry for nothing specific she just thinks she's sorry for the whole situation well she did say for the part that she played in it for not you know for just believing on the onset and for bringing it up the way she did Mm -hmm. she did she Mm -hmm. did say that however i just want to point out let the record show that I said this, <laughs> I said this some years ago, I told you, I was like, you know what, Candy gets on my nerves because she is that friend. She is that mm-hmm. friend that no matter what you are going through, you could be going through hell, but the but the hell she going through is worse and you need to be there for her. Like, you know, I don't care what, you know, she says she a good friend, but she that kind of friend, like, I don't care. If you got something major going on, she got something major going on. Mm-hmm. And it's more major than what your major is going on. And I mean, mm-hmm. for every single thing, if you know, oh, you know, we getting a divorce. I'm so devastating. Oh, well, you know, I'll, let me go check on her. But, you know, I'm trying to open up a restaurant. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't care what it what is. What she has going on is more important. Every single time. Every single time. Like, she is that friend. So, if you want to be friends, and people really are like that. There are people that, mm-hmm. no matter what you're going through, like, oh, my gosh, I really wanted to be there for you, but you know I was going through, bop, 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 bop. Right. And it don't <laughs> right. even be nothing. You know what I mean? But to them, right. everything that they're going through is so much more important than what the other people are going through. going through. And I say years ago that she is that friend. So if you want to be friends with her, you just have to know that nothing you going through, nothing you doing, nothing is more important than what she got going on. So. I just wanted to mention that real quick, just because, again, don't tell me how to apologize to you. Accept the sorry or don't accept the sorry. But moving on from that, Meek mm, Mill might be coming home. Free Meek Mill. Free Meek Mill. <laughs> I, I think that the Meek Mill thing is interesting as hell because, like, first of all, Meek Mill is in jail for a parole violation or a probation violation. Meek Mill is went, in jail because this judge is riding his dick. This is that's why he's in jail. Well, that too. I mean, the judge that's is like mad obsessed with him. Yes, she. It's it's crazy that they still even have her on 
this case and that yes. his lawyer is not able to remove her from this case. Like, yes. I, I don't know how much money are you paying these lawyers or is it, do, right. I just don't understand it, but he might be coming home soon. Um, I was reading just some information that said that he could be coming home as early as uh, next week. And I, you know, they're saying that if the judge, uh, Janice Brinkley, if she mm. has anything to do with it, of course he won't uh, be coming home. But they're having so many rallies and 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 all kinds of things. Like, did you know that Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, went to go see Meek Mill in jail? What he wanted to sign him up? <laughs> yeah, I'm so confused when what? I read that Robert Kraft. The owner of the racist ass Patriots, who was out championing Trump. I mean, like he was yes. Trump's number one supporter, yes. putting up signs on and tattooing it on his forehead. You know, vote for Trump. <laughs> I, I and he went to go see Meek Mill. I just feel like he Why? went to go see Meek Mill. All these older white men are going to go see Meek Mill. Don Lemon is Le- is his name Lemon or Lemon? Don Lemon, the um, was the broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, on CNN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just he just went to go see him. Uh, I mean, what I don't know what's going on with Meek Mill, and I don't know if Meek Mill is being the poster child for, um, I made an example out of you, and you're going to sit in jail, and this is so un- unjust, and so you know all of these people are going to make him the poster child for the to for you know, what he's going through, like basically getting railroad. I'm thinking that that could be it. Um, I hope that Meek Mill comes out and he's holding the flag for that specific thing because I just don't get why Robert Kraft of all people would go see him. Like, it's not like the well, owner of the, this owner of the Sixers went to go see him too, but he's not he's like the owner of the Sixers. That's whole right. hometown, right. you know, like, the Eagles came out to Meek Mill's intro when we won the Super right. Bowl. Yeah, we we are woo, Super Bowl woo. champions. Yes, we are. Yeah. Um. So you know, I mean, they came out to his song. I could see them going to go see him, but like the rest of these people, what the hell is going on? And if they are going to see him, is anybody got friends that can get with this judge? Because that's the only interest that I hold. You know, I I can't stand injustice, and I just think this is crazy how this woman is flexing this power keeping mm-hmm. this boy in jail. It's ridiculous. Especially for two to four years. Like, you know, he got into the in- incident in um, the airport when he was fighting in the airport. Then he was riding dirt bikes in New York City. And I mean, like, all of those things, come on. Even those little infractions, I just don't think. Two to four years. But it just goes to show you, this is how they railroad young black men. You know what I mean? No they keep them locked are, up. It's right. modern day slavery, mass incarceration. We'll have a whole um, topic and a whole show based around mass incarceration. Um, we'll have some people on, you know, talking mm-hmm. about the topic. Some people who we know personally who have uh, been in the justice system. And I think that's going to make for a real interesting show. But moving and on the from, to, to the rest of this cycle. shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Kendrick Lamar won um, the Pulitzer Prize for the Damn. Date. His the Pulitzer. Yeah. The Pulitzer Prize, not Grammy. Right. Even though congratulations mm-hmm. on the Grammy, you know, it's any mm-hmm. awards are wonderful. Right. But the Pulitzer Prize. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on now. Hip hop is really hip hop is it. 
first hip hop artist to do so. Yeah, hip hop is it, and I think that's um, and you know, I did see Kendrick Lamar in concert twice. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't hell know. of a show. What? Right? I- I'm not even gonna tell y'all how Maya was on the seat. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I didn't even know I was a fan. <laughs> <laughs> when like, we first saw Kendrick, no, what it was was I I used to listen to Kendrick's mixtapes, mm-hmm. and so I was always a fan. But when I saw him in concert, I was like, "Damn, I'm like really a fan," because I know all his damn songs, mm-hmm. and everything came on. I was like, "Yo, this is my song!" Like, I love Kendrick. I what I love the Clearly. most about Kendrick is that he's like black as hell. And yeah. he does not apologize for being black. He ain't trying to hide his blackness. All his albums is black as hell. They talk about our issues, what we're going through as a people, uh, how we can rise as a people. And, well, you know, I love that. So That's right. You know, That's right. I so, love him. Congratulations. Um, yeah, so we want to say congratulations to him. Right. I mean, listen, our culture, we doing it big out here doing it up you gonna notice us right so what we got next oh man how about the cardi and nikki beef do we know about the cardi and nikki beef if you if by we you mean me yes i know and i just want to say this this is this is what you can tell the people whatever you want to tell them i i I don't Mm want to call it a beef you know, Nicki Minaj is acting like a little weirdo, but okay. But this is all I have to say about that. I know Little Kim songs. And I know Cardi B songs. Mm-hmm. I don't know no Nicki Minaj songs. <laughs> so as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned, Nicki Minaj can have several seats. And right. that's all I got to say about that. Well, I mean, I'm, I will say that I'm not a Nicki fan. And the reason being, it's not even because she makes bad music. Even though her music is not my style of music, she doesn't make bad music. Like, But what I don't like about her is, you know I can't stand somebody that's not humble. Like, mm-hmm. one thing that I hate the most in life is, well, I probably hate a lot of things, but I don't want to say hate. I dislike a lot of things, but I can't stand someone who is not, not humble. humble. Now, mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right in what you said. We don't want to call it a beef because beef is when two people are at it. You know, two people, both sides have to have something going on. Right. Cardi B doesn't have anything going on because when you are winning, you aren't in a beef. And here's my thing about Nicki Minaj. You are a megastar. Right. You, you are a megastar. You know, across continents, you're a megastar, but you are, you you have low self-esteem. You're not humble. You know, when you came out, you came out and everything about you has mimicked little Kim, everything, everything. Mm -hmm. Little Kim was the first and, and people leave it in the comments. If I'm wrong, you know, little Kim was by far the first person that I know who came out and was a sexy female rapper. Prior to Little Kim, we had Queen Latifah, MC Light, uh, Roxanne Shante. I mean, the list goes on. Moni Love, people like that. Uh, Yo-Yo, you know. Right. And they were either conscious rappers 
or like what I call boom bat rappers, right. you know, like hardcore, like MC light, you know. My mic sounds nice, right. you know. Well, you know, there's hardly nothing feminine about MC Light, but they were not, they weren't, they didn't do the sexy thing. They were cute. Right, they didn't do you the know, sexy. They were cute, cute girls. They sexy, right. Right. And, and they were all about female unity and right. all, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And like I said, hardcore, because even thinking about Yo-Yo, she came out with Ice Cube, you know, mm-hmm. like Roxanne Shantae. She had Shantae's Revenge, right. you know. She right. So so it was all like that type of thing. Little Kim was the first person, the first female rapper that I know that came out and was like sexy as hell, talking about sex, sex the, you right. know, raw in your face, you know, a fashion icon, like a true legend. Little Kim mm-hmm. is a legend. And then you had Foxy Brown. Then you had female rappers that came out that was mimicking that. Now, little, I mean... Nicki Minaj, you came out and you were mimicking that. But you wouldn't give little Kim her props. You give everybody else props except for the person that you hope stole your whole swag from. Right. Now, fast forward to 2018. You've been off the scene for a couple months. Cardi B then came, you know, a true Cinderella story. Exactly. Came from the gutter. And now she on the cover of Cosmopolitan, you know, headlining at Coachella, all that good stuff. And now you want her to give you the same homage that you did not give to little Kim. Cardi has been on record many a time saying that she loves your music. You know, she loves you as an artist. You paved the way for people like her, et cetera. What the hell you want her to do? Get down and kiss your feet. But see, this is where the low self-esteem comes in at because Nikki want to be the only one back in the days. Yeah, and I sound old as hell. Back in the days, we had multiple female rappers. Now, you want to be the only female rapper. Everybody that comes out, you, like, shut it down. All of the stuff that people were saying about you, like when you had to be for Remy Ma, and they were saying, like, oh, she just wants to be the only one. Obviously, we're seeing that it's true, but you can't stop what God has in store for you. And God had this in store for Cardi B. And so now move over like right she you're bigger than her you know what i'm saying you could come out with an album you have a legion of people behind you they gonna support you like you're good i don't even understand why you feel the need to be have her kiss your fucking feet maya you can't fix self-esteem like when that's true yeah you can't fix self-esteem and you know cardi out here doing it i like cardi b because she's unapologetically herself and mm-hmm. um, I liked her when she first came out on Love and Hip Hop. She was funny to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, when Bodak Yellow was number one on the Billboard charts, she was increasing my Jeopardy score. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I listened to her little mixtapes because they be popping. When I got to clean my room or something, you know, you need something right. upbeat. You know, they be popping. And um, mm-hmm. I'm going to learn how to twerk like that. Get me a couple dollars. I'm just saying. Listen, uh, did you hey. see her twerking on pregnant, the ground child. at Coachella pregnant? <laughs> oh I said, goodness. let me tell you something. You about to twerk that damn baby right on out of mm-hmm. you. And if she, if that would have happened, that would have been a Coachella that people would have never forgot. But it's already, it's a Coachella that people ain't never going to forget already. But okay. Well, you know why it's a Coachella that people ain't <laughs> never going to forget. I mean, you know, I, I didn't said all of this, and the mm-hmm. real thing is about the queen. The queen came in, the queen, for all of you who don't know or that you're living under a rock, is Beyonce, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. Beachella. Beyonce came. (laughs) Beachella. Okay. 
Well, that's that's what they that's what the hashtag was. It was it wasn't called Coachella anymore. It was called Beachella. Oh, okay. Because you know Beyonce was supposed to headline Coachella last year. Oh. But then she got pregnant. You don't like Beyonce. You don't like yourself. Like you're crazy as hell. It's no listen. If you don't like Beyonce, if you feel like she all right, no, like right. you don't like yourself. I love me, and I think she all right. I mean, Don't disrespect the queen. I'm not, I'm not disrespecting the queen. She's, that's that's mad she's disrespectful. Not, she's not a queen. I'm not in the beehive. I don't. She definitely like, is a queen. First of all, we all black queens. Don't try to disrespect oh Beyonce. Listen. That's like me saying you ain't a queen. Listen, listen. Are you a queen? I am a queen. Oh, okay. And so is she. Okay. I'm not in the beehive. I don't dislike Beyonce at all. I don't dis. And there are a couple I'm, I'm songs in the that you are. I, you had are the beehive. Like um, <laughs> I, I don't dislike her. There's a couple songs that I really like. You know, like oh, you know that's cute. Um, but the last time that we saw her in concert, I fell asleep. Let me tell you about the last time we saw her in concert. Well, not the last time I saw her in concert because I see her in concert every time. Um, definitely getting my On The Run 2 tickets this week. Woo, woo. Um, but when we saw her in concert at Essence, the time where you're talking about you fell asleep, mm-hmm. everybody in my section was mad old, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm old-er. I love old school music and you know essence is a mixture so for uncle charlie they was doing it the hell up you know <laughs> but then when beyonce came they was sitting their asses down they got mad at me for standing up throughout the whole show and it almost turned into the church situation from last week like if you say something to me while the queen is performing this will be the essence festival you'll never forget right. but no beyonce <laughs> You know, I mean, Beyonce killed uh, Beachella and $5,000 to four schools. Well, four students going to each of these schools, Tuskegee University, Bethune-Cookman University, Xavier University of Louisiana, and Willowbrook Force uh, University. So she's giving four deserving students $25,000 a piece um, for a $100,000, you know, grand total. And that's I think beautiful. that that's just wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. She that's does nice. so much that people don't even really know. But yeah, so that's Beyonce. I could go on and on, but you know, we gotta move on. So <laughs> you know. Let me let me just talk to you about this really quick. Did you see the story with the two black military women that got assaulted by the trash ass uh Old white, white woman? Lady. Yeah, and her son at, uh, where was it, at Cheddar's in Macon, Georgia? Cheddar's restaurant? Cheddar's sounds like... Where was it? Cheddar's? Yeah, it was at Cheddar's. Because when I heard the name Cheddar's, I was like, damn, they probably got some good-ass food. They don't. I don't like Cheddar's. They don't? No. The name is deceiving. They had one uh, in Virginia. I went to one. It's in, like, Newport News. It was dirty. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. damn, Cheddars. Well, anyway, the, it was two women uh, in Cheddars, 34-year-old Stephanie Mitchell and 27-year-old Treasure Sharp. Mm-hmm. And, again, they were dining at the Cheddars Scratch in Kitchen in Macon. 
Yes, in uniform. This happened on Saturday. And this trash-ass woman, a 70-year-old white woman from Macon, Georgia, attacked them during a verbal altercation that they had. They have video out there. If you have not seen it, go and look for it. It is crazy. She, the video shows her son and her walking up to these women, having a verbal altercation, and then the lady going to go sock one of the girls in the face, at which time the girl says, I'm filming you, and I'm pregnant, and in military Uh uniforms. When I saw this video, it burned me up so bad because all I kept thinking to myself was these people show so much restraint during times like this. Mm -hmm. Just people in general who videotape instances like this. And I know like you're videotaping it because, you know, you want the proof. The 71-year-old woman and her son, I don't know about her son, but I know she definitely got arrested uh, during the incident. But I'm just saying, it, these people show so much restraint because I couldn't have that restraint. The last thing that I would be thinking about if a woman got up in my face, I don't give a shit if she was 125 years old or she was 18 years old. Don't get in my face. Don't get in my face. Don't touch me. Don't push me. Don't do anything to me because I would not be thinking about pulling out my camera and videotaping it. I would be thinking about busting you upside your damn head. And all of this was over, not even a parking spot. Right. It wasn't even over a parking spot. It was Mm. the fact that she felt that they didn't wait while they Mm -hmm. finished parking before they proceeded. What? What kind of white-ass, trash-ass privilege Privilege. do you have to have to to say that you're mad because you didn't wait? While I did something. Yes. Ain't that crazy? It's ridiculous. Ain't that crazy? It's ridiculous. Well, I got something ridiculous for you. You got something more ridiculous than that? I, I, yes. Yes. Oh, what happened? Yes. I'm just going to say. Wait, we talk every day. I don't know this. No, you don't. Oh, okay. And I had to save it because I had to get. Your raw reaction. So, Thursday... This is a family show. I hope I don't do too much cursing. Okay, go ahead. First of all, it's too late for that. (laughs) But Thursday was just like... Thursday, I experienced a trifecta of white privilege and racism. Mm-hmm. I mean, a trifecta. I I really could not believe like these things were happening. Mm. So the first thing that happened was at work we got an email um, about an upcoming all-company meeting, you know, all locations, everybody. They have these meetings and Usually to build like morale or whatever, to make things spirited and fun, they have like Mm -hmm. some kind of contest. So, Mm -hmm. and when we had the meeting in the fall, it was a scarecrow contest. Everybody make a scarecrow and then you Mm -hmm. vote on what's your favorite scarecrow. 
Okay. So this spring meeting or whatever, it's in May. The theme is summertime. And for the little contest thing, they said, we want you to make a tiki totem pole. A tiki totem pole. A tiki yes. totem pole. Okay. I'm trying to picture it in my head. You know what I'm like talking about? Like a tiki about? torch? No, the tiki torch is like the light. A totem pole is, I know what a totem pole is. Is it made out of a tiki light or something? No, I think tiki is like, uh, like, cause it stands high into the woods. Okay. Um, okay. did you watch Brady Bunch? No. You know, when Bobby found the little tiki in Hawaii and all those things was happening to him? No, but keep telling me what happened. And I'm not old enough to have been watching the Brady Bunch, like on a regular basis, to like, know that Bobby all, found a tiki torch in Hawaii. I mean, a tiki all, statue in Hawaii. Stop but trying to play me. I'm more like the Moesha <laughs> than the Brady Bunch. Stop trying you know to play what I mean? Me. During that time. <laughs> but okay. First, first of all, so it was a tiki. So I said, I was reading the email and then I read it again. Mm-hmm. And then I read it a third time, and I was like, you know, I'm just looking at it like, hmm. And I closed the email, and you know, I, like they tripping because you know I love culture. Mm-hmm. So first of all, mm-hmm. the people who carve these totems are cultures of color native americans french polynesians hawaiians um indonesians do it you know like they're cult they're cultures of color number one mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're you in different cultures they symbolize different things but it's all in the same line of spirituality some of them mm-hmm. use them to call on the ancestors or they they put things in it so the ancestors protect them and they're sacred. Some of mm-hmm. them, you know, carve them like they call their gods, whatever. But they're very spiritual, very sacred type thing. So I'm just looking at the email like, mm, you know, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. But I didn't say, I thought it was a little insensitive. But, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to respond right now. So Friday and Monday, I was at a different location. I don't check my email when I'm there at all, whatever. So when I get back to my main office where I am, I sent a little mm-hmm. email to the person who sent out the email. And mm-hmm. I cc my, you know, manager. And I just said, you know, hello. In my experience, in my experience, mm-hmm. my experience, not what I read, mm-hmm. you know, in my mm-hmm. experience with these cultures, who carve these poles, they are sacred and spiritual. I think some people may find this offensive. I don't wish to participate. Okay. You know, my manager comes in and says, oh, other people responded as well. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, yeah, and they put something else out. I said, oh, so I'm thinking that they responded to the response of people who are saying, like, mm-hmm, you know, the little suspect, mm-hmm. what are you doing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, of course they didn't, but go ahead. 
okay because the response was i hope you're getting excited about the meeting <laughs> maybe if i educate you on what the tc total pole is you what what <laughs> maybe educate you. <laughs> what? <laughs> i couldn't believe it and then like her the first line of the education, I guess, portion of the email was, these are spiritual and sacred carvings. Well, first of all, that's what I said. And second of all, you did a Google search, bravo for you. You ain't got to educate me on a goddamn thing. Because it, what you said, the key words that you said was sacred. Meaning and we shouldn't do it. And, and spiritual. spiritual. Meaning that we shouldn't do it because you don't bring spirituality or anything spiritual so, or religious into the workplace. Okay. So what the fuck but keep, are you talking about? Exactly. So keep in mind, I thought it was me. I thought I was tripping. So keep in mind that this was not her response to my email. It was the response to the other emails that she had already received. Because it went, the email went out on Thursday. I didn't respond until Tuesday. Mm -hmm. okay so it was but the way my manager was presenting it to me was like she fixed it you know so when mm -hmm. i read that i was like hmm. so then now i'm starting to get a little upset you know right so i highlighted that line in her email and mm -hmm. said you know see this is what makes it inappropriate for work you said it yourself right so then the next email comes out and says um we're just going to change the name of the contest to the statue contest and as it all cats all of this you know and i was like your first of all your first email was insensitive right your second email was disrespectful and mm. your third email was demeaning mm. and then you want to call my manager and say she sent me this email well he knows because i i cc'd him mm. and he was like oh but maybe the tone whatever what tone i said see a man like this you put it in your own email and nothing that didn't click to you to tell you that it was inappropriate oh, these white. people are white right <laughs> oh, okay. of I course mean... because white privilege they just think that they can do anything, anything with anybody's anything and then you're gonna say i cc'd you in the email so you already saw what the email said talking about your manager i cc'd you on it and then you're gonna come back and say well maybe it was your talking about you right correct right, my That's tone. talking about your tone no if you thought that i had a bad tone then you should have addressed that to me when you first read the damn email because i cc'd you on the email don't wait until she says something and then you come back to me and say oh maybe it was your tone no you didn't think that it was my tone when i cc'd you on the email did he no i don't she, exactly and the email no, I don't they're even all know. in cahoots together but this goes back to why what i always tell you time and time and time and time well hold again. on maya because my manager is black all my life my manager my shit. manager is black yeah i don't give a shit i always tell you the same exact thing i don't mess with who neighbors nope. and co-workers <laughs> i don't mess with neighbors and co-workers because let me tell you this about a co-worker only one of my co-workers listens to this podcast. 
when his ass listens. But that's because he's been my coworker slash friend for 10 years. So I trust him. And I don't give a shit what happens because, you know, I don't care. Stop dealing with coworkers. I'm not dealing Point with coworkers. I CC him because he's my manager. She sent the email Stop. through him. I, it wasn't like take sides or nothing. It wasn't. I don't, and, and I don't even care about that. My problem is my issue. You don't think is, that he took sides when he said to, I don't when care. he came back to you and he said, "No, it is about Karen because." You are my manager. That means that you take up for me. If you were wrong, then he should have approached you when it first had when you first see him on the email, he should have came to you and he should have said, Baby, maybe your tone in this email was X, Y, and Z. You wouldn't have said anything in reference to the tone or anything else. You wouldn't have came and said anything to me if she hadn't presented it to him and said, This is what she sent me. No. And the woman who is talking about wait the i just need this question answered the woman who was talking about the she sent me this email and we're just going to call it a statue uh all this stuff in the third she black no oh okay and well, of course black? my manager the boy yes is black yes trying to be with the white man Oh my God. But he did say something before. My original email was very nice and polite. And then mm-hmm. he said, he says, oh, she responded to that because other people said something. So I was like, oh. So I was looking, when I saw the response, that's when the response said, that's when I saw that it was, um, you know, let me educate you. Mm-hmm. And so my, my response, right, my re- which was, disrespectful is all get out as hell and and so my response to her was yes you see this line and let me educate you this line right here where you say spiritual and sacred that tells you that it's not appropriate for the workplace so and then my manager came and he because he only saw that i i he said he saw that so Mm -hmm. he and he was like but me like so he before she said something, he said something about that. And I said, No, that wasn't my original email. And I read him my original email was like he's like, Oh, I didn't see that one. So he did mm, say something before she did. Mm. He he did say something before she did. But that's neither here nor there. The point that I'm trying to make is this privilege and nobody wants to see it. And instead of just admitting that you were wrong, because I'm not the only one who said anything, and then you want to sit there and minimize us saying, Oh, we just want to change the name. Instead of making mm-hmm. this a teachable it's still moment, the same thing. And, and nobody right. wants to be wrong, and you know, it's not even like I put her on blast in front of everybody. I just emailed it to her and my manager because I don't want anybody to come back and say I did such and such and such and such. You know what I mean? But that's just how they are. Everything this they is- do is right because they're white. Mm. Which leads me to the next thing that happened on Thursday when I came home from your mom's house Thursday night. And you know, I sit in my car and I debrief. That's what I do. I sit, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. if a song is on that I'm listening to or whatever, I'll let the song mm-hmm. play out or whatever, do my little rusa. I sit in the car. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I live like on a college campus and everything. And so I saw the cops go around or whatever. I ain't on no mind. I'm sitting in front of my house. And then I seen them go around the next time. And I'm thinking, you know, they did their job. They just patrolling the area. 
So I'm in the car for maybe about 15, 20 minutes. I don't know. It's my car. I sit there. I'm, I'll go home in the mm-hmm. house when I feel like it. I'm growing. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't pull up on the side of me, roll down the window and say, ma'am, are you okay? You know, they don't do that. He mm-hmm. going to pull up behind me, shine all this bright light from his car, shine all this mm-hmm. flashlight from his hip and be like, may I help you? No, you can't. Can I help you? Yeah, like, no, you can't help me. Like, what do you want? He was like, well, you're just sitting here. I can't sit here. Now, I got my scrubs on and everything, you know what I mean? I'm sitting in my car before I go in the house. Right. Well, where do you live? Why? Why? You know, I, he was like, well, man, we just checking. Well, isn't it funny because when I call you, when they out here making all this noise and hoopla, you tell me to call Metro. But you right. out here bothering me. Right. You don't get back in your damn car and get out of here. I was hurt. That's you hear another, me? You know, I don't, you know how I feel about the police, And too. first of all, uh. I mean, they do go to a real police academy and everything, but you a darn, like, school cop. Get out of here. Like, yeah. and, they and go to a real police academy? They do. They're real, like, they work for the state. They real, like, state police. Yeah, they are. But who cares? Get out of here. Because when I call yeah. you for something, you always talk about call Metro. Fuck out of here. I was hurt. And... If you feel like, well, you're just sitting here and you wanted to know what I was doing, it was a better way to approach Exactly, the and you rolled by you know, twice. This I'm is not why doing black anything. people keep getting murdered by the police because you, I, and my thing is, is this, where you live at, right around the corner, it's a gazillion things going on. Exactly. You ain't thinking you about ain't what's over going there. on around there. Exactly. Exactly. No, but you want to harass you because you just sitting in. And my thing is, is this: What the hell did you think I was doing, sitting out here casing the joint? Right. And if I was, what were you going to do? Because all I was doing was sitting out here, even if I was casing the joint, like I'm chilling in my car. So what were you going to do? Like you didn't have anything on you. It. it what were you going to do? That's why. Oh, that's the list. That's the list right there. Coworkers, neighbors. <laughs> And police, police, I don't mess with at all. Now I do talk to my, I do talk to my one little neighbors, but they eighty one and eighty three. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I they made the cut because they're in the eighties. Now if they was in their sixties, they would be a no go. Uh, but Thursday was very interesting for you. I see. It, yes. You know what else happened? You know what else happened the, on Thursday? The trifecta. My my mm. my half BFF Starbucks. Mm. Mm. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Star damn bucks. Starbucks. Starbucks. Well, let me just say this. Starbucks. Starbucks. I didn't feel any kind of way about Starbucks because, you know, for a week straight, I had went to Starbucks. Right. Every day. I, I was going there. I don't know. I like their chai tea that they have. Um, and so I was it was Next to my house. So I went there one day, got the chai tea, the banana bread, and a bagel. It was $10.65. And then my dumb ass went back every day. At the end of the week, (laughs) when I was looking at my bank account, I was like, yo, this was breakfast. You know, just (laughs) breakfast. I was like, damn, I done spent $50 in one week on Starbucks. That was the Uh... end of me and Starbucks' relationship. But Starbucks. What happened at Starbucks? So, at Starbucks, downtown Philly, 18th Mm -hmm. and Spruce, and Mm -hmm. there's a Starbucks literally every other block in Philadelphia. Like, 
every other block there's a Starbucks in downtown Philly. So there were two black men who came into the Starbucks and one of them asked to use the bathroom. The girl told him no because you have to be a paying customer to use the bathroom and he just went back and sat down with his friend and they were just sitting down waiting. I guess they were mm-hmm. waiting for somebody, whatever. They were just sitting down. And next thing you know, six or eight cops comes in, told right. them that they were trespassing, and mm-hmm. and arrested them. Arrested them. Mm-hmm. And they said that they were waiting for another person. Um, uh, The woman, there was a, two people who recorded it. The mm-hmm. friend came in, and I have to mention this now. The two black men was on time for the meeting, and the white man was late. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but the man who was meeting them came in and was like, what's going on? You know, I'm here to meet them for a meeting. And um, he's like looking all confused, like what happened? And the lady who is recording is saying they weren't doing anything. They were just sitting there. The manager never asked them to leave. Nothing ever happened. You know, somebody else came in and used the bathroom and left and didn't buy anything. And I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. So. I just, there's just some points I have to make about this. First of all, Starbucks. This is a culture that you created. When you got the free mm-hmm. wall, Wi-Fi, everybody hang out in Starbucks all day, every day, till the end of the time. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had job interviews in Starbucks. I've met my friends in Starbucks. I bring other people's mm-hmm. food and eat it in Starbucks. I mm-hmm. study for my finals with all my classmates in the Starbucks. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, you can do anything in Starbucks. And nobody mm-hmm. says anything. And anything. that's the culture they created. And now mm-hmm. two black men can't sit down and wait for somebody else to start a meeting. And you and the manager didn't even ask them to leave. She just right. called the cops. Called the police. Right. She just called the cops. But And her reasoning for calling the cops was because... In that particular Starbucks, which is what I think it was 17th or 18th, 18th Spruce, in, in downtown Philadelphia, they have had instances of uh, people loitering in that Starbucks. But the thing is, is but she never asked to the them point, to leave. Right, right. You just automatically called the cops. You didn't know what the situation was or anything, but it goes back to your point that you just made was it's a culture that you created. Loitering is basically what Starbucks has made it comfortable to do. You know, when you created this community environment, you created this community environment, like you said, where people can almost do anything at Starbucks. But now because like you said, two black men are sitting in Starbucks and because they didn't order anything, I don't go to Starbucks. I'm not a Starbucks customer. However, in the times that I have been in Starbucks, I have been amazed at the things that I see in Starbucks because I'm always like, damn, you could do that in here. Thank you. You know, Anything. They don't bother anybody for anything. Not because you are sitting there ordering a $10 cup of coffee. No, just because they are sitting in Starbucks. And this is a racial issue to its core. It's nothing about this that you could play devil's advocate and you could say, well, maybe this, maybe that, maybe this. No, there is no maybe. It is 100% a racial issue. She called the police because she was scared of two black men sitting in a Starbucks not ordering anything. 
you did not go over to them and you didn't ask them to leave because you were scared but you called the police and the fact that the police came in in that video as deep as they came in it wasn't right. one police officer that right. just came in and said, hey, what's going on, guys? You know, whatever. We got a complaint. What's going on? For them to say, hey, we're waiting for somebody or whatever the case is. No, you came in there like it was a damn Jeffrey Dahmer in there to, ar to arrest these two men and didn't even ask them no questions because the lady... The lady who videotaped it clearly saw that it was an issue from the beginning, from the beginning, which was the reason why she took out her camera because she knew that it was about to be some bullshit. She, yeah. she knew that that was the reason why she took out her camera and you might talk to this point, but I just wanted to say the way that the police came in there, those gentlemen, it goes back to this uh, story that I was talking about with these two black military women, the restraint that they showed was just phenomenal because they didn't get upset. They didn't raise their voices. Well, they, they didn't can't do because they, they just stood up. Right. They just stood up and put their hands behind their back because they knew what the, what, what, what was going to come. And that's the reality that we face as black people that when you see the cops, you automatically think, let me stand up and put my hands behind my back or let me show you my hands. So you see, it's nothing in my damn hands. And let me just not say anything, even though you are a hundred percent wrong and I'm a hundred percent right. I can't say anything to defend myself because I could be dead on the spot. Exactly. And you know, even though the police chief, chief Ross came out and made a statement saying that the police didn't do anything wrong. I don't agree because every call yeah, it was aggressive. He, he said, and not even that they were aggressive because they no, weren't not aggressive. They weren't aggressive with them. It was aggressive. It, the whole right. instant them coming in there seven deep. Right. What, why, what would possess you? Unless the manager said on the phone, these two black men sitting in here, they got a gun. I don't know. I feel I, I'm, you know, I feel like my life is in jeopardy. What the hell are you coming in there? Seven cops for like, come on. That's you call for backup too. if you feel like it's a problem. Like in downtown Philadelphia, it's always some damn cops walking back and forth, loitering some damn where the selfs. Probably in Starbucks. And every call to the police does not have to end in arrest. There was no right. crime being committed. Nothing was done. And that's what why the lady these, said. Why are these men being arrested? So I do believe the police have some accountability. But I want to talk mm -hmm. about Kevin Johnson. And I'm Who's telling Kevin you, Johnson? he's the CEO of Starbucks. He's only been the CEO mm -hmm. for a year. And mm -hmm. you know me, especially as far as consumer affairs go, I'm very unforgiving. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not breaking my neck to get to Starbucks or whatever. And I don't want anybody else to either. Um, but I will say um, Kevin Johnson's response to this situation is the best I have ever seen, ever. Mm -hmm. I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. His um, initial letter, not the, the little post that the company put out on Twitter real fast when it happened, but his letter, his first letter, public announcement to the people, the letter was excellent. I mean, he mm -hmm. was very it was. succinct. He was to the point. He accepted, you know, he said it was wrong 
he accepted responsibility and said, you know, mm-hmm. things are going to change. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he was very, he said, I'm writing to convey three things. First, to once again ex- express our deepest apologies to the two men who were arrested with a goal of doing whatever we can do to make things right. Second, to let you know our plans to investigate the pertinent facts and make any necessary changes to our practices that will help prevent such an occurrence from ever happening again. And third, to reassure you that Starbucks stands firmly against discrimination or racial profiling. He says that uh, the reason that the manager called the police was wrong. The manager is no longer working in the store. And in the, that over store. The com- no, she's not no longer working with the company. She oh, was, well, when did that come out? Because the last I read, she just wasn't working, well, working in, in that, that store. store. No, she, mm-hmm. um, they asked for her resignation. So she, Good. yeah, she no she longer. She should have got fired on the exactly. spot. I mean, she, come on. She no longer uh, works for the company. And then, you know, he was on Good Morning America. He spoke very well on Good Morning America. He did meet with the two gentlemen uh, who were arrested. He did apologize to them in person. You know, I'm not sure if they're going to pursue a lawsuit. I would. They but, should. Yeah, they should because they were embarrassed and they were arrested. 100%. On, you know, the video went viral. It was terrible. But this is the clincher for me. Even though I'm not racing to get back to Starbucks, I still have to give Kevin Johnson props because this is the kicker for me. 8,000 Starbucks locations will be closed on May 29th mm-hmm. for training. Now, anytime people racial shut down training. racial bias training and anytime somebody shuts down their business and loses, you know, if the money is not what's the issue. You know, we have to do something that really says a lot about, mm-hmm. you know, them wanting a change. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think Kevin Johnson did a great job. I, I think he did an excellent job. However. Mm-hmm. For everybody else, before it happened to you, and this is where I had the reason, because with all of the social injustice going on, he said that the manager didn't think that the men would be arrested. Well, where has she been living? Under a rock? In 2018, mm-hmm. when you call the police on black men, they're dying. And so you right. don't know that? Not getting arrested, dying. Yeah, they're right. dying. You don't You don't know that? Like, what is wrong? No, she with, knew that. What is wrong with you? Exactly. So, and... Starbucks, not just Starbucks, but everybody. You see what happened to Sony. You see what happened to H and M. You, you know what I mean. You see all these. You see what happened to Dove. You see what happened mm-hmm. to Heineken. All of these things are going on. They need to stop what they're doing now. If they don't have a cultural competency committee, they need to start one now. Because I'm mm-hmm. sure Starbucks is like, oh, that doesn't affect us. That doesn't affect our bottom line. But look at you now, Starbucks. Right. Look look at right. you now. So you need right. to have it. Clearly, my job needs it, you know, because mm-hmm. we have none. Well, your job definitely needs it. Mm-hmm. We have none. And I'm saying whoever you are, you have to start putting these things in place. So, you know, we know that as African-Americans, we have the most powerful dollar because we do the most mm-hmm. shopping. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm a kind of person, like, I was really obsessed with the Starbucks thing. I was reading, like, every tweet, every Facebook post watching every news program, uh, you know, I was just, all, all, I like, I just, I don't want to say I couldn't believe it, but I just wanted all the information. These people
people talk about I'm going to wait until the investigation is over to see if I'm going to boycott or not. Um, I can't believe right. that uh, there has to be a backstory. They couldn't have just been arrested for sitting there. Yes, they can. They can. And they right. were. It happens every day. And, and they, they were. were. You was about to get a, you were about to get arrested in front of your damn house. Exactly. Sitting in your car, you was about to get arrested. And, and so- that. The, the employee knew exactly what was exactly, going to happen. Exactly, exactly. She called the police because she knew what was going to happen. If she didn't feel like she knew what was going to happen, she would have went over there and said, do you mind leaving? What are you here for? What are you doing? No, she knew exactly what was going to happen. It was a racial profiling at its, you know, core. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing about Starbucks. Let me say this about Starbucks and Kevin Johnson, um, since you spoke about him. I do tip my hat just slightly <laughs> to Kevin get, Johnson. And the reason friend. being is because because of this. He came out and not only apologized, but he's putting action behind the apology. Exactly. Where with these exactly. other companies, they give the generic apology and then they move on as business as usual. And Starbucks, at least... Even if nothing comes out of this uh, racial bias education training that they're having, at least they're doing something. Now, I don't want to say that to say, oh, I'm giving them a pass because it's like, well, at least. However, in the past, it we have seen that other companies don't do what he is doing. And for him to be the CEO for only a year you know, he don't want his name to be drug in the mud. So he's at least trying to do something. And I tip my hat off to that because they could have very well, you know, brushed this under the rug exactly. and said, Oh, like well, H&M, just like, like all Doug. of the up and exactly. right. All of exactly. the other companies have done, uh-huh. you know, hopefully something comes out of it, you know, however, you can give people all of the damn training that you want to give them race. Racism is embedded in this, embedded in this uh, society, in this country. You know, it's America was built off of it. People own not just other America, people. white supremacy. No, but yeah, right. But I'm I'm talking specifically about America because we live in America. You know, I don't live other places. But yes, we know that racism is a global issue and it's going to continue to be a, a global, global issue. And it doesn't matter not saying that you shouldn't do it because you should do it, you know, but it doesn't matter how much training you give someone. You could give me all the damn training that you want. I'm still going to believe in what the hell I believe in because it's my belief. Can you change Sure, you can change, but you have to want to change. This girl is going to go on to go to another company, and she's probably going to do the same thing because Uh what she sees when she looks at the uh, black men is fear. She doesn't look at people. She looks at fear, you Uh know. It's amazing to me. I don't even want to go into all of this because you know how I can start rambling. But it's just amazing to me that white people are scared of us when they was the one that owned us. And beating and us and thinking everything was have exactly always been, exactly. And they be violent to us. Exactly. We have never been violent to them. Exactly. It just, it's, it's amazing Baffled to me. me. You yeah. know, the cops, they, the Philadelphia police 
you were wrong in the situation. Police officers, you get trained on how to de-escalate a situation and it wasn't even escalated. So I don't want to hear that bullshit of, oh, they ain't do nothing wrong. Your ass is in it too. You know, and we'll see what comes out of it. I, I hope that these men sue the hell out of Starbucks. I hope they get a big fat ass payday from Starbucks. Uh-huh. And no, it's not about the money. It's, it's the principle of it, but I hope that their asses get a big payday from Starbucks. And this teaches these companies that you can't just treat anybody any kind of way. And it's a shame, really, for real, for real, that this falls back on Starbucks, even though it was going to anyway because she worked at Starbucks. Exactly. It was a decision that she made, not a decision of uh, Starbucks. I mean, right. I seen Kevin Hart tweet that out, and I saw that he got a lot of backlash from it. But, you know, I kind of agree with him in this, in this, but she was acting as Starbucks. When right. you work at Starbucks, you're acting on behalf of that company. If this happened at her house, you know, that would be a different story. But it happened uh-huh. at her place of business. You were acting on behalf of Starbucks, and that's why Starbucks is getting the backlash that they're getting, and people are calling for a boycott of Starbucks. And, and she that's was just the person, point blank period. She was the person in charge. So it's not like somebody right. else did it, and they could go to somebody else and say, you know what, they're okay. You know what I mean? So she's certainly not She's certainly not someone who can lead. And also the um, the, the regional vice president of the area, she was on the ground when it happened and you know the Mm -hmm. next day that they were protesting and she was just telling the protesters like please you know don't badger the employees we didn't give her the tools that she needed to make sound decisions and so they were taking all the blame you know and i think yeah they're taking ownership of the situation and and i think that's great but the fact of the matter is you know you can't turn you know starbucks you should learn from what was going on before this happened to you and other mm-hmm. companies need to learn from this before it happens to you because mm-hmm. i have already made a personal decision now i know my 37 dollars and 23 cents may not go far but it's important to me and i have made a conscious decision i was like you know what i am buying what i need mm-hmm. you know i am and i'm really going to try to be a minimalist like i'm going to buy what i need and i'm not going to spend another dime well you know i gotta go on vacation but mm-hmm. and i'm flying american airlines because i just found out american airlines supports one of my charities that i support nana but anyway hmm. so i was like you know what I'm, I'm done with this i you can't keep because the fact of the matter is everybody probably racist anyway you know, no matter, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm using. So I was like, I I mean, I really made this conscious decision to like, you know what, I'm not shopping. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting anything because praise God, I don't need anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you know, I have this habit, well, like soon as I sit still, I get online. Like I'm always shopping online. As soon as I said that, mm-hmm. I'm checking my email and I got this email from Neiman Marcus with the new Louis Vuitton line for the summertime. And when I mm. tell you these wedges are just like the cutest mm. thing I ever seen in my life, I was like, <laughs> but, well, I'm the wrong person to be like, back away. Right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to get the wrong person. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, if I have to be supportive or whatever, <laughs> I would say, don't do it. But I'm not secretly, it, I'm like, yo, send me the link so they I can see them too. They are so yeah. cute, Maya. 
they are the oh my gosh they're so cute and their wedges and they look so comfortable and summery and cute and all I right well get like, off of that listen <laughs> but I'm let's not get buy off it. of that you know i'm not gonna buy okay not. don't buy them let let's let's get off of that but you know i i want to say this one last thing about starbucks and then we're closing out the show for this week um but a a, a gentleman that was on the ground during the beginning of all of this mayhem made a very, he's like a community activist. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't quote his name right now, but, um, you know, I was in New Jersey for a couple of days and I was happened to be watching the news, which I never, right. It wasn't, he said that, you know, do you get the magnitude of what you did that you could have ended these two men's life that day? Right. Right. She like what? She didn't. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure that she didn't because again, she will go on and she still to probably doesn't. do this again. Right. And she still right. doesn't. She 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 really right. doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. She didn't get it then. And she and did she doesn't get it yeah. now. No. It is terrible. Right. right. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I hope we we'll we'll just, you know, pay attention to what the next couple of weeks are going to bring for Starbucks, especially after May 29th. I'll be very interested to see what happens after that. But, um, yeah, so you know what? We hope that you enjoyed the show this week and all of the random topics that we talked about, you know, all the random shit that's going on. I mean, so much more, but we do have to wrap the show up. Uh, Once again, you know, thanks for joining us. We hope that you are enjoying the new sound that we talked about in the beginning. Uh, we're very excited for what's to come. Uh, we are improving every week, and we hope that you enjoy the improvements and you continue to take this journey with us. As always, I'm going to give you the spill that I always give you. Follow us on all social media. We can be reached on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at We Did That Shit. It's one word. We did that shit. Again, it's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hit us up on social media. You know, like, we post all the time. Let us know how you're liking the show. If you're not liking the show, if you have something specific that you want us to talk about, let us know. Let us know if you if you are enjoying the show. And again, if you have something that you want us to talk about, you know what? I'm getting all of these signals from the B and I'm sorry. That's the reason why my uh, closing is so randomly crazy this week. Um, But (laughs) it's crazy. It's crazy what I have to go through guys. But yeah, so listen, don't forget to hit us up. Leave us any questions, comments that you may have. You can also email us at wedidthatshit at gmail.com. Again, it's wedidthatshit at gmail.com. Just let us know. You know, most importantly, don't forget to listen to the show. Like, we need your listening. We need your rates. We need your comments. We need your subscriptions. But we need you to, like, actually listen to the show. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell some Ken to listen to the show. You can always reach me at my my thirteen. That's M Y M Y one three. And I'm at the Amina. That's B I C I A M I N A. Listen, before we get out of here, we want to shout out our boy Twelve Kyle um, over a fellow podcaster. He has a show called the Twelve Kyle Podcast. Make sure that you check him out. 
last week he did no it was the week before right the week before he right. did his whole show on um the miseducation of Lauren hill um it was a great show he broke it down i mean if you really want to hear about that album how he was feeling during that album uh what you was feeling during the album because it brought back so many memories when i listened to his show but this week Lauren Hill announced that she was going on tour for the 20th anniversary of that album, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, and um, get a ticket and, and yeah. go over and listen to 12 Kyle because, again, he breaks down the album. We just wanted to give him a special shout out because he is definitely a faithful listener and we really enjoyed that show, 12 Kyle. So we're going to get out of here. We'll be here again, same time next week. Remember, be great this week. Stand for something. Do that. We Did That Shit podcast is produced and edited by Selena Singleton and brought to you by Wonderful Me Media. Wonderful Me Media, what's wonderful about you?